1: Welcome into Chitchat Money. My name is Brett Schaefer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Henderson. Today is our Tuesday not-so-deep-dive episode where we analyze one stock by covering its business model, ownership, financials, future growth opportunities, and really anything that interests us about our first look, or in this case, second look at a company. Today, we are covering Pinterest, and we're going to get into it. But first, Ryan has a quick update for the listeners, uh, we are doing a survey, so we would appreciate any listener to help us out with that.
0: Yeah, I know we have historically been survey haters here on this show, uh, but we want to get a better grasp on kind of who our audience is. And I think you know, we, we've met a lot of you, we've talked to a lot of you, but we don't, I guess, have that much data because Apple does a bad job sharing it and Spotify only has limited data, so we want. To we're going to run a series of surveys, I think, over the next couple episodes. If you're listening to this, um, out of turn, it might be off. But uh today, I think for this one, it's going to be pretty simple question: do you spend more than a hundred dollars on investing related services each year? Um, and it's just gonna be a simple yes or no question. That could be like seven investing, that could be you pay for. Bloomberg, if you're a little more on the professional side, I'm guessing most of our listeners aren't paying for Bloomberg terminals, but um, really it could be anything, whether that's a recommendation service, whether that's a platform that you use, um, whether it's Substacks, anything. Uh, if you think you spend more than $100 a year, say yes. If you don't, say no. Just curious all right that's our that's our service yeah, okay
1: and also that can apply to your business as well so if you work in a business that does that because in reality to any sort of advertiser that is much more valuable if you work for a business that pays for investing services if that counts as well please say yes obviously don't say yes if you don't do that but it'll be a simple question it'll pop up where ryan the spotify player right
0: yeah i think it's only spotify because okay. so if you're on apple sorry uh just the the back end doesn't allow us to do that but
1: yeah it'll be through uh. spotify so just click over to the spotify page and it'll help us out all right today as i mentioned we're covering pinterest if you want any of the charts or notes that go along with this episode the day this release on the tuesday i will be sending that out through our newsletter the link is in the show notes it is free um we'll have some fun ones i have a good chart comparing ARPU. Of Pinterest versus Facebook. Spoiler alert. Doesn't look great, but that's a little teaser for kind of the big question we have this episode. Also, if you enjoy the show, the best way to help us out is to give us a review on Spotify or Apple. Ryan, why don't you just get into it? We A lot of people know Pinterest, but I think a lot of guys who listen to our show maybe are not familiar with it, which, um, I don't know, help them out here. Sure
0: i guess i'll give like kind of the basic boilerplate stuff which is pinterest is an image-based social platform and it's predominantly used on m- mobile so 80 percent of engagement is apparently on mobile that's something that the ceo recently mentioned um and 76 percent of their users are female so really a female dominant platform i think most people have probably heard of it most people have probably used it but it's Unlike other social media platforms, the common use, like this is more of a high intent search. So as opposed to something on social media where you're kind of just browsing, let's take Instagram, for example, you're not really looking for anything specific. With Pinterest, it's almost more of a uh, search platform where you're looking for some inspiration or kind of discovery. So a common use case would be something like, um, show me some vegan recipes or something like that um or beach wedding ideas
1: and it isn't it wedding they said up. they said weddings is their number one right is it I think yeah, so I could see that um yeah I don't remember them mentioning that but
0: it certainly could be the and then you'll get basically the scrolling feed of just pictures that are related to those keywords and it's going to hopefully give you inspiration for ideas that you want to implement. I remember I used this I think when I was like looking up ideas for uh decor for a living room. And you can get an image for uh an image and then you can click on the image and it's going to have all these tags basically that'll redirect you to websites potentially um to kind of show you what those products are, where they go, and, and you can also save these pins um on like a board you can create your own pins you can add stuff it's it's really kind of just i don't want to say google for pictures but think of it kind of like that um am i describing that well because i i know most people know what this is i just want to
1: yeah i think uh, it's search queries, but as well, you can follow people, you know, there's probably popular Pinterest users that people follow where that would maybe overlap a bit more with Instagram. And then they have the, you know, as all social media platforms do, where all a lot of these social platforms do they have your feed where they toss out a bunch of pictures, videos, and hopefully better sponsored content in the, you know, whatever, just that you can swipe through.
0: Yeah. Which leads into the part i wanted to focus on which is the monetization so as you can imagine those search queries lend themselves pretty well to advertisements and that you know if you're looking for new electric vehicles and someone (laughs) runs an electric vehicle ad and you're looking for pictures that's it's a pretty ideal place to advertise an electric vehicle um anyway so so pinterest has a number of different ways that people can advertise and I'm pretty sure all revenue comes from advertisement or maybe like kickback like commissions um but there's really kind of three ways to do it based on the advertisers objective so um the first one is just building awareness these are ads that look like your typical pin and you'll just see like the tiniest little thing that says promoted by at the bottom of the pin Um, and this is pretty simple. You're just trying to drive awareness to a product or service. That means you're paying on a cost per million or a cost per view basis, depending on if it's an image or a video. Um, and it's pretty much the lowest cost kind of advertisement that you can run on, uh, on Pinterest. And you're pretty much just trying to redirect people or or raise awareness for your brand or product. Maybe people go off the app and go search your your name somewhere else but that's that's the only goal it's the cheapest advertising product just typical brand advertising second one is consideration and conversion so these are what pinterest refers to as its mid-funnel performance marketing solutions the goal with running these ads is more to generate clicks and so you're paying on a per click basis um they also include mobile deep linking here and so it'll either redirect people to a product listing or a website or if you're on mobile which 80 percent the engagement is mobile deep linking is it redirects you to a part a specific part of an app as opposed to just opening up another app they and that really- means like checkout page
1: specifically right. a lot of the times
0: right and so that like i said you're paying on a cost per click basis for those that's more of the performance marketing and you know people i think get attracted to the performance marketing we're actually dealing with this a little bit on the podcast side of things where you're paying more because you know that you've got to click whereas the brand marketing can perform well if it's a one, if it's a well-run ad and it can actually generate a higher roi because you're theoretically paying less if it spurs more demand so um it's it's really kind of up to the service what how they want to advertise, but. A lot of these have like uh it can work it, it doesn't not everyone just goes for the performance marketing i guess last one though i'll talk about is offline sales so these are what pinterest refers to as their lower funnel performance marketing which is you're literally paying for an action so it's called the cost per action basis um basically you're paying for someone to click on your website and make a purchase and these are the highest cost ad format and every single one of these advertisement types are paid for on an auction basis so if I go on and I want to advertise I don't know if you can really advertise a podcast on Pinterest but let's say I wanted to sell some some clothes and I was running a shop I could pick any one of these it'll say like what's your objective with this ad do you want to raise awareness do you want to sell products I'll say okay sell products it'll give me what my max bid for a purchase or an action is like they'll ask me what I want let's say it's $2 that's what I'll say and then they'll have a floor because you you know if you bid like 10 cents or something like that you're not going to find any ad inventory they'll build a floor and then they'll they'll know what your ceiling is but they'll basically give you whatever the market price is for those advertisements throughout um so it doesn't always hit the ceiling but it it allows you to kind of get a better sense of what your marketing budget is going to be um i hope i'm explaining that well there's a lot of different advertisement types pretty much everything here is redirecting you to other places to shop that's kind of the goal with pinterest
1: um it's it's, e-commerce native checkout it's e-commerce man it's e-commerce that's it yeah but That's it's it. like it's it's i mean it's it's e-commerce ads but it's it's yeah. e-commerce commerce it's it's but it, the advertisement is, it's, is all, yeah it's almost all spent by e-commerce companies which as a little teaser we'll talk about the biggest e-commerce company in the world or in the united states uh as one of our future growth opportunities but yeah sorry continue anyway
0: history um we've talked about this before but it's somewhat of a fascinating history i think it's kind of your cliche silicon valley story but uh pinterest was officially founded in 2010 by ben soberman evan sharp and paul Ciara. soberman had attended yale university and worked at google in its online advertising division immediately after Apparently, he wanted to build something on his own. So with the encouragement of his girlfriend, he left Google and started Cold Brew Labs with Paul Ciara, who was a college friend. And the goal was to be, this is when like the big, it was really popular to do like app incubation uh, places. And so there was an app development company and their initial product was a shopping comparison app named Tote. You could browse apparel and goods from 30 different retailers in one app. It ultimately failed, but they quickly learned that a lot of people came to the app simply just for the discovery portion of things. And so that's kind of what inspired the idea for Pinterest. Paul and Ben, after closing Tote, quickly came up with a beta for Pinterest. They pitched it to a third co-founder, Evan Sharp, who I think is credited with writing the majority of the code. And later in 2010, they officially launched Pinterest, had a lot of early success, a lot of early adoption a lot of venture capital funding, as you might imagine, uh, and they IPO'd in 2019. However, since we last spoke, a lot has changed. So um, first of all, users have been in decline. They've they've been suffering on the user front. I think they, they benefited from COVID and the rise in e-commerce. Um, there was also some lawsuits and walkouts due to alleged racism and sexism at the company. And the CEO, Ben Silverman, last June decided to step down. Well, I, I guess
1: Fun uh, fact: a year, fun, basically a year ago, fun fact, he still gets paid $200,000 a year as an executive, not as a board member, but as an executive chairman. So, you know, just a fun fact for anyone. Um, yeah.
0: And the other thing I'll say is about a month after the, um, Elliot management stake was announced. And so I don't know if it was, maybe they had basically said we're accumulating the stake and we plan on taking it and encouraged him to step down. I don't know that the two events just happened to kind of coincide one after the other. And Bill Reddy, who was previously working at PayPal, um, was assigned as the CEO. And that's kind of where we're at today. I think the business has improved a little bit since from where it was a year ago. They've they've started to stabilize some of their numbers, and they've done a lot of talking about cost savings and kind of improving margins. But it takes some time to to kind of move that through. And so that's that's I guess the, the current state of things. Um, uh, next and they've quarter, done a lot of partnerships.
1: Yeah, yeah. next quarter costs will. Uh... <laughs> we'll clean up those costs right next quarter next quarter uh yeah i'll, I'll hit um uh, what i'll say more about bill ready during the management ownership uh section but i think the industry and landscape and competition here is super interesting when we talk about pinterest generally while they're grouped into social media it is a little bit different because they don't really compete like would you argue that they're competing with twitter i, I don't think so they're generally competing for people's engagement and time spent in their free time. So when you look at it that way, I think the industry is fast. Like I said before, are they competing more with Twitter or are they competing with, yeah, you know, some other social media stuff like Instagram or TikTok, but really all sorts of commerce ads. And that could be connected TV ads, that could be traditional broadcasting ads, that could even be Static billboard ads, that could be newspaper ads, a lot of stuff like that they're competing with. Again, they're competing with time spent from all their users and really everyone around the world. We all know, um, specifically with e-commerce, that there is a ton of spending in this area. I don't have to go through too many numbers, but just for example, for some context, the US e-commerce market is closing in on $1 trillion in annual spending and should continue to grow. Good chunk of that. From these companies is spent on advertising to acquire new customers for the e-commerce you know, market that's honestly been maybe the number one driver for meta you know slash facebook and google and you know amazon ads over the last uh five ten years and then if we compare their engagement for across social media companies pinterest is large but in that second tier i would say along with snap and Twitter of you know the scaled social media companies, but not as big as the ones from Meta or Google. So if you compare them, we have Facebook, they have three billion users, YouTube two point two billion, WhatsApp two billion. These are kind of estimates because sometimes they're not given out uh, regularly. Uh, Instagram two billion, TikTok one billion, Snapchat five hundred million, and then Pinterest four hundred and sixty three million. So right around the Snapchat range, like I said, so quite large, but again not as large as the ones that have crossed a billion. I do want to make, and this is a good context for the rest of the episode because this is kind of the key question when looking at Pinterest as an investment, and that is the ARPU gap, which is average revenue per user, which is in this case on a quarterly basis of Pinterest versus Facebook. Now, I'm going to show you a few charts here. I'll describe them, at least I'll try to, maybe Ryan can help me out if I'm missing anything, but let me share the screen and try to get that up there. All right. Oops. Okay. Ryan, can you see that? So if we look at... Yes. All right. So if we look at Pinterest Global ARPU versus Facebook Global ARPU, it is significantly lower. Like, I mean, if we look at, okay, the actual Seven number here. yeah, to one. Yeah. Eight Q- times larger. In Q1 of 2023, Facebook's global ARPU was $9.62, and Pinterest was $1.32. Now, if we go back to Q1 of 2019, Pinterest's ARPU has grown at a CAGR of 16% over the last five years, or excuse me, four years, but it's gone from $0.73 to $1.32 while Facebook's has gone from six forty six dollars 42 to $9.62. So on a nominal basis, Facebook is attracting much more advertising dollars. And if we look at the United States and Canada, so basically North America, it's probably even worse since this is a very mature market for Pinterest, where Facebook's ARPU is $48.85, while Pinterest is only $5.11, those are a lot of numbers. I think hopefully gave some good context for anyone listening. Again, if you want to see those charts, sign up for the newsletter. It's free. I think they're going uh, to be very useful for anyone looking at Pinterest. I don't know if we want to answer it now, but maybe kind of set it up as a teaser for our bull case, bear case, highlights, lowlights. I think the key question is, can this gap continue to close over the next five years? Would you say, Ryan, that that's the key question for Pinterest investors to ask?
0: Yeah. And I think maybe more important question to ask is why is the gap so large? And it's really, at least from what I can tell, it's just the fact that Facebook's targeting is that much better. So if you're running brand awareness campaigns, Facebook's getting it in front of better eyeballs. I I looked up, I was toying with Pinterest this morning just to kind of research the platform and get a better sense of, you know, kind of what what, what it looks like
1: right now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, what what kind of ads do I really get? And maybe they don't have that much data on me, I don't know, but I looked up I think it was like uh cool date ideas and I got an ad for Marriott Bonvoy in Montreal. So, it's not like that's the kind of stuff where it's like,
1: it, for reference we don't, live in, versus, we don't live in Montreal.
0: Yeah. I live in Seattle, but f- when I see that kind of thing versus the really hyper targeted ads you get with companies like Facebook, um, you can see why brands are willing to pay more for that. Um, and so I think that's, I don't know what it takes to close that gap. Like uh, in terms of the advertising algorithm,
1: Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk That's about this. That's what concerns in, me. I'm going to talk about this in the highlights and lowlights. Was Pinterest, you know, they talk about Twitter being the gold, uh, the, the clown car that fell into the gold mine. Is that actually Pinterest? I may make that argument.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Okay, let's get a management ownership. Maybe a couple more interesting things here. I'd say for one, the founders still have controlling stake here because they have class A and B shares, and it is 20 to 1 voting power. So voting is controlled by the founders. I think that's an interesting note when, you know, we have an activist in here. I wouldn't say it's an aggressive activist, but we do have an Elliott management um, investor, you know, worker, whoever, employee on the board. So they have some influence here. But again, at the end of the day, the voting power here is a bit of a conundrum. And these two, the founders aren't running the company anymore. So it is a bit strange. But if we look at Bill Reddy, he has been at Pinterest for around a year. He came over from Google Commerce. He was there for a couple of years. But before that, he spent a long time at PayPal, and it was at the Braintree division, which he came over to PayPal after that company acquired Braintree. Braintree was, they, they owned Venmo, but really they were a checkout solution similar to say an Adyen or Stripe. So powering a lot of say e-commerce and other transactions around the web, around the world. Um, I would say as a side note, we talked about this last time with Pinterest as they kept saying over and over, yeah, we're going to get our native checkout going, we're still building it. We we kind of had some gripes with that because they have all these employees and it seems like they weren't really getting many products up to market. I would say as a side note here, if Bill Reddy can't get a checkout experience to Pinterest or on Pinterest given his, you know, background at both PayPal and Google, I think they may just need to fire everyone in the in the product development division because I don't, again, where are the products? And with all these employees, I mean, we, we got to see some improvement there. I would say as another note on the executive team, they just hired last month, a new CFO. Uh, she is from Wayfair. Do you think, Ryan, that this can be a positive cap- catalyst for capital allocation changes or is that just some false hope as you know a lot of people did have complaints about the old finance department you know the way they would spend money the way they would not buy back stock the way the balance sheet was unoptimal what do you think
0: sorry one second i was on mute there if i remember correctly when i looked at wayfair i wasn't very impressed with the financial management that went on there
1: um so this could be yeah because i was thinking you know We got a new cfo and then it's like oh it's from wayfair and you're like ah okay all right (laughs) the so
0: I, i may have been wrong i think there might be a way to check out but it was like it's totally own page and it didn't really like it wasn't a part of the like browsing experience on pinterest so and Bill Reddy said this in a recent um analyst kind of uh conference it wasn't getting any use like there was no take up with uh after launching that so maybe there has been some toying around with trying to build checkout into the app but basically they have not been able to convert browsers to shoppers which feels like it's a platform where they should be able to do that, so that's kind of the big gripe here, and I think you're right. if Bill Reddy can't do it, who, as yeah, far as yeah. resume goes, has the perfect chops to be be the person to like convert that it's yeah, it's concerning
1: yeah I would, uh, I would add that, yeah, I guess there can be a lot of different checkout solutions. you could have one where you stay exactly on Pinterest and they're the one running the payments. And they're, you know, they're getting the payment revenue and they're getting advertising revenue on top of that. That would probably be similar to, you know, an Amazon advertising solution where everything's native within the Amazon website. But I think with Pinterest and they're pivoting to this, and we're going to talk about that with their Amazon partnership, they seem to be pivoting from trying to build their own payments and checkout solution, which seemed as Ryan mentioned, failed to building out basically the best ad tools to connect the the users of their platform the shoppers directly to the checkout pages or the shopping pages on other websites and all right if it ahead.
0: sounds if it sounds complex like it sounds like maybe we don't have have a full grasp on the advertising experience i i went through it and tried to advertise and it was not very intuitive like and i've gone through a number like of websites it and tried to potentially advertise and it's like they, okay they ask questions like what's your goal it's like to convert people to raise brand awareness or to sell stuff it's like okay for a lot of businesses it's like all the above you know so it's hard to i think parse through like what kind of campaign you're running it should just be like hey what's your budget we're going to find the most uh people we can for you that we think fit the bill it's a lot more intuitive with like facebook and google adsense or even even twitter who i think sucks at advertising they they made it easier too
1: yeah and we'll get to that later in future growth opportunities and how maybe they are transitioning and hopefully over the next few years they can change that but uh, the last few things on the executive compensation—they keep it very simple with their strategy. They pay a light base salary and then give uh, the executives a lot of time vesting RSUs, which are restricted stock units. It's a little different than stock options, where it's not based on a price. It's all just based on like, okay, you get these shares at this certain time, and it doesn't have to pass a you know a price hurdle like an option. It's just a stock unit. They claim in the proxy, and yeah, they claim this in every proxy statement. But again, they specifically talk about this a lot that this strategy of giving out a lot of restricted stock units is aligning the executive team with shareholders. Do you agree with that? And I think that the gripe I have is specifically RSUs. I get a little bit concerned that people don't care about the stock price, but if you give someone options or basically price hurdles where the RSUs vest, you know, like how their performance RSUs, I like that a bit better, but what are your thoughts, Ryan?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, ideally, I think you have performance-based RSUs. I'm looking at this compensation package for Bill Reddy that you put down here. And it just, it makes me feel like...
1: Well, I think they had to throw out a big bag to get him to come over. So it was $100 million for for the joining um, stock award. Yeah.
0: I'm trying to like go through in my mind, like if you were given $100 million to join a company, that was what their package was to you. And that was their incentive for getting you to join. What is your what's going through your head there especially for a company like pinterest where it's kind of been treading water for a while i mean yeah it's a 100 million dollars in stock you could sell it over time but what's your goal is it to just like absolutely optimize shareholder value or yeah. i mean i think that's it in theory but really you're getting paid if if as long as you just like kind of hold hold where the company's at and maintain platform relevance, you're going to have a nice hefty chunk of change there.
1: Sure. Yeah. And it's not the end of the world. This executive compensation is not bad, but I generally think I would rather have executives that, and you know, I think Reddy seems like he wants to win here, but I want executives that just want to win regardless of the pay, kind of like a Zuck situation all right let's go to earnings Ryan as we try not to go to we went a little long there uh what do we think on earnings seems like you said that things are improving so yeah why don't you go through the numbers
0: yeah over the last 12 months 2.8 billion dollars in revenue and this is kind of to just give like full context so 2.8 billion dollars in revenue all that's advertising like Brett said it's a big advertising business but kind of second fiddle to the Amazon's Facebook's and Google's of the world uh Seventy-five percent gross margins. So obviously, not a lot of you know uh, variable costs there because you're really, I mean, basically, you're paying for infrastructure spending and maybe customer support. I don't know what they, else is they, in there. They, wow. they
1: said they had some. Yeah, I mean, there's depreciation stuff on customer support and then uh, payment processing, but it's mainly AWS.
0: But they spend a ton on operating expenses. Um, and I just don't know if they really need that much engineering talent but it, basically they're losing 300 million dollars a year in operating income they have 415 million dollars in free cash flow for the last 12 months but pretty much all of that is in stock-based compensation they also had like a goodwill impairment um or maybe it was like some lease impairment thing um but it's a break even business essentially in terms of real earnings. They do earn a lot of interest income now because they were so uh their balance sheet just has so much cash on it and no really no debt. I'll talk about that in a second. but the reason I say it's getting back on track is when Bill ready took over users were kind of in free fall stepped in users have since improved this quarter they reached 463 million monthly active users that was up seven percent year-over-year it seems to have been like quarter after quarter of steady user growth global arpu however is down one percent year-over-year might be due to like the advertising market in general but really this isn't i think this is an average revenue per user story if you are to believe it and (sighs) I mean, you're not investing here for the user growth. Like they're already at scale. So it's for for them, it's proving that they can actually really, really monetize that massive user base that they already have. Um, And it it has grown, like Brett mentioned, but not nearly. They're still um, ceding market share to the other bigger players. When we look at the balance sheet, it's probably the simplest balance sheet I've ever looked at. $2.7 billion in cash all pretty much just money market funds and short-term treasuries there were some corporate bonds in there but there's n- literally no true financial debt they generated $25 million in interest income in the most recent quarter or so annualized it's about 4% interest um which i mean kind of checks out in terms of just buying one year treasuries
1: uh maybe it's a little higher but still can't get, generate positive net income though that's tough I know that's tough yeah it's, it's great I mean I yeah we'll talk about the gripes I have with the balance sheet later but let's move to valuation I'm gonna keep it really simple again check out more of the charts that I'll put together for the newsletter um that'll come out along with this episode there'll be some stuff more stuff there but I'm gonna keep it really simple uh well first off I guess just for context we got a market cap of 19.6 billion dollars you take out that Negative 2.7 billion in net debt. We got an enterprise value of $16.8 billion. I'm going to maybe be a little bit, don't be frustrated, but this may be a little bit naughty is using an EB to gross profit number. Because again, Ryan mentioned they they got that free cash flow. It's kind of fake. And then they also have that operating income. There was a goodwill impairment, whatever. You can adjust for a lot of that stuff. But I think using a gross profit number can be good because it, it can kind of show, okay, how much potential is there for earnings if they really lean up their operations or grow off of this operational base yeah that could be a boy who cried wolf situation but again i think it's still useful and their ev to gross profit is 7.9 so really not that cheap still but not crazy expensive it's kind of right in the middle of a would you say ryan of a kind of a gross profit multiple
0: yeah i would say being a little naughty with the gross profit i i think that's well, the most
1: useful one if you're trying to build a bull case
0: I wonder if some of the management teams that were kind of raised in the venture capital culture, Silicon Valley culture, look at gross profit as, okay, this is how much money we have to pour into our employee base.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is how much money we have to give to our employees and make them happy and make a nice campus, give everyone good food. And oh, wait, uh, actually, wait, that's that's not supposed to be my focus. You do have a steady girlfriend, so I guess you have better anecdotal evidence than me. So what do you think here?
0: Yeah, I don't use Pinterest that much myself, but my girlfriend does use it on a pretty regular basis. And I I think she's probably a monthly active user. And she says that at least the use cases I've seen, a lot of it's like recipes, a lot of it's like, mm, you know, decor outfit type ideas. She's never bought anything on the platform, but she certainly used it. She certainly bought stuff that she found on there, which is a very monetizable thing for it Pinterest. It should, so,
1: should be it should be, but the worst I think everyone does find it on there, and then you go search it on Google or Amazon or or right.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you can just make if you if they can bridge the gap between their app. And the checkout on another website, which I think they're in the process of doing. We're it Seems like they're the making a partnership with Amazon yeah, here. Yeah, that is so much more revenue for them than, um, you know, the, the someone. It makes it so much easier for someone to make a transaction where they get a chunk of revenue from it than them just going over to
1: Google. Yeah, and it's just building that habit of okay, I see it on here. Actually, wait, all these things are clickable now. It's not going to, you're not going to stay on Pinterest, but I'm going to click on it and I'm going to go to this other website. I may or may not buy it, but then I can check it out and Pinterest can track you there. For my anecdotal evidence, I, I just have the question of this. Should I be confident that engagement can be stable or, or growing over the next five years? I think that should be true because when we looked at the the user declines, I think Bill Reddy kind of had a very easy task because he was just lapping the bullet effect of the pandemic, right? But, for some reason, there's just a little bit of a feeling I have that I have doubt that Pinterest is gonna can grow users without pouring a bunch of money into uh you know customer acquisition marketing.
0: yeah, I mean, at the same time, like the platform the longer it's around, the better it gets, yeah in theory, as, as long as they maintain like the current user base or more because. The more users that are on there the more pictures that are uploaded the more effective the platform becomes there's kind of a network effect there however because instagram has such a has done such a good job rolling out shops and native e-commerce it feels more and more competitive like e-commerce brands that would have listed on pinterest are also doing so on instagram and it feels like i mean they they've got the discovery component there as well um it seems like more and more people are beginning to use the explore page on Instagram as a that's I think why they got away from the timeline based feed Facebook did so I don't know it seems like they're competing more and more with Pinterest
1: maybe short maybe Instagram going after the TikTok competitor with reels that could actually be beneficial for that or for uh for Pinterest what do you think
0: Um the, I mean the thing with reels and short form video generally is it, I think it encourages more of the exploring slash discovery mode as opposed to like on on your home feed with Instagram, you're checking out a lot of what your friends post or people follow. When it comes to short form video, most people aren't posting content. So you're getting more like the global discovery. And I think if people are going to you for exploration/slash discovery, that's that lends itself better to like brands selling on there so i don't know I, I, I i'd say that probably hurts pinterest more than helps them yeah but i just, mean pinterest has done a decent job with short
1: form video as well yeah it's interesting that they pivot into everything that's just hot which is unfortunate but a lot of companies do that yeah i guess it
0: costs, costs them a lot of engineers to do it
1: yeah the yeah i guess one of the key things is can they convince people to do their e-commerce discovery on Pinterest versus TikTok or Instagram or anywhere else, really. All right, let's move to future growth opportunities. Ryan, you have the big one that they just announced that everyone seemed to be asking about, about 10 questions about this on the conference call. So what is it?
0: Yeah. And they, they are like partnership crazed. They love to announce partnerships, Pinterest, especially during like 2020, 2021, they were doing it so much, but um, so they did just announce a new partnership with Amazon. However, I think this is a little more meaningful than some of the previous ones. It's not entirely clear what all this entails, but in their press release, they said, we are pleased to have selected Amazon as our first partner for third-party ads. This It's going to take them several quarters to implement, and it said it will include a seamless on Amazon buying experience. However, I'm not sure, and, and I was trying to read through the what Bill Reddy had to say on the recent analyst conference, but it wasn't like, I don't think he necessarily knew everything that the partnership entailed. And he also said, they're not going to be the only partner for third party ads. So.
1: Yeah. I think I kind of understand it though, is basically if someone's going through Amazon advertising as a, let's say they're an apparel brand, they're advertising through Amazon. You can click, I want to advertise on Pinterest as well through Amazon ads. And then the ad shows up on Pinterest. Again, it could be, you know, there would be a little details in here that changes. And then when you click on the ad uh, natively on Pinterest, it takes you immediately to the product page on Amazon. So it's like an Amazon sponsored listing, but on Pinterest, which I think will work pretty well. And I think it can work with um, Google as well.
0: Uh, Makes sense. I guess, are they using Amazon's targeting or are they using
1: Pinterest? I hope they're using Amazon's and they just get a nice little cut there. That would be way better. But
0: yeah, the only—I mean, I'm sure you can use a lot of the same keywords, but it just feels not—I don't know. It's not necessarily the same kind of search query. Like with Amazon, you're looking very specific for something, as opposed for like the the inspiration factor that you go to Pinterest for. So I'm wondering how hard it would be to kind of roll out those ads through Pinterest for Amazon, but. I mean, I, I'm not opposed to them just selling third, selling ad inventory to third parties. I think that might be the best way to monetize the platform. Focus on attracting the users. Let the truly great advertising businesses do what they do best.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And look, they'll have to give a cut to Amazon, but I, I mean, it's still going to be gross profit, gross margin uh, positive. I'll say mine. And look... It seems like a bit of deja vu here because we've looked at Pinterest multiple times. It's one we're interested in. And I guess, spoiler, we probably will be interested in this stock by the end of this because it seems like such an engaging platform that people have stuck around for you know like a decade now. And the potential for shopping and basically e-commerce ads is incredible. But they've been saying this year after year after year since going public, they always talk about, we're going to grow our poo. And I guess they have, but really not by much. They talk about growing international ARPU, which is just abysmal. They haven't done anything with that. And then they talk about shopping stuff. And I do like the pivot from kind of the native shopping checkout stuff that they were talking about and the partnership with Shopify, which again makes sense, but maybe isn't as relevant to, again, these more advertising e commerce stuff, which probably makes a lot more sense to just have sponsored listings. And I think the main future growth opportunity is just eliminating the main layer of friction for Pinterest, which is. The connection from the shopper, uh, which I would describe as their users, are all basically shoppers, and bridging that gap to them purchasing it at these mer- purchasing a product at these merchants, whoever they are, using Pinterest tools. It means increasing advertising effectiveness and making. Well, I wrote native shopping tools. I, I would say making the shopping tools, which again is taking people from Pinterest to these third-party checkout buttons much more useful. I think they're making good progress. They gave some good anecdotes here. They said that advertisers who adopted their new measurement tools have increased their spending by 30%, which I think is a good sign. Ryan mentioned it was well wealthy, uh, quote unquote, mobile deep linking, which I think any product manager maybe uh, meta would be like, yeah, we figured this out like, in 2012. Is basically that tool that links people directly to the merchant's checkout page. They said that's growing quickly. They didn't give out any hard numbers there, but I think that's very useful. I mean, that is basically what we're describing here: is taking you from Pinterest. You click on a, say, shoes in a, what do they call it? A pin, or whatever on a shoe, and takes you boom directly to that checkout page. That's incredibly valuable, I think. Yeah, but it's got to show up in it's. It's it's, got to show up in ARPU. It's got to. Yeah, hundred percent
0: let's talk highlights and lowlights for me i think bill ready's the right guy for the job if there is anyone it seems like he's got the the right resume and he was apparently supposed to be dan shulman's successor at paypal uh, there was i recently listened to an interview with i believe it was elliot turner who had owned paypal for a long time he said it was when when they owned PayPal initially they were really excited to get bill bill ready on as kind of his successor once shulman retired and then bill ready left so now they're kind of left not knowing who's going to be the successor um or maybe did they
1: i don't think they, they did the, what well, we we just covered and we should remember this so confusing though i think they said they're they announced that they're going to announce someone by by the end of this year so yeah, great job guys oh, right, right. classic okay. paypal
0: uh anyway already it seems like he's a hot commodity in the the world of tech um they've also stated plans around cost savings um they've done two rounds of layoffs but it was relatively small i think it was low it was like a, I think six to seven percent of the overall staff in the last 12 months so not tiny but relative to their cost base it looks like they might need more um Although they've got the cash to kind of burn through if they choose to do so. And then the network effect I talked about, I mean, the platform has been around for 10 years. It's continuously grown. It gets better the more people that are on it. However, I think at this point, it kind of provides like the 468 million user is not as important as the network effect used to be. Just because, because it's
1: not, yeah, it's not user to user. It's not your social network.
0: Yeah, on any search query, you're pretty much going to get enough information at this point. Whereas it's not, you know, you're not looking for individuals. You're just looking for content discovery, and so,
1: but you want the new trends on there, right? You know, the trends change year by year. So, I mean, uh, yeah, the content, think, so the content supply will be hard to replicate.
0: Yeah, I mean, they said they have. I think it was one of the most image-rich databases in the oh, world. So, oh, oh, crazy. All right. Bye now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it helps. Once you've reached scale like they have for a platform like this, it's kind of hard to replicate. So it, there's some staying power there. The lowlights for me, though, is it feels like they really have not been able to make the most of the platform. And I don't know if they have the blueprint for how to do it. I think there's a good chance that 5 years from now we're talking about if they ever close that ARPU gap this is going to be the operating leverage is going to be there um but it just simply hasn't come anywhere close to the other big social media platforms now if it if it means you got to sell your ad inventory to other players uh, I think maybe that's the right right thing to do if you don't think you can get the uh targeting algorithms to the to the level of other players
1: yeah I mean yeah this is what I said earlier about is this the clown car that fell into the gold mine? Maybe maybe Twitter's the clown car that fell into the gold mine, and this is the clown car that fell into the platinum mine, the diamond mine, whatever is more expensive <laughs> than gold.
0: Uh, yeah. And then I guess they just seem pretty loose with stock-based compensation. 18% of revenue is pretty. Uh, that's yeah. one of the higher
1: figures I've seen for a company of this size. 100%. Yeah. I mean, for reference, big tech is more of the three percent range. Yeah. Uh, my highlights, I this is a highlight and a low light, like Ryan just mentioned, they have perhaps the easiest job in the digital world. As like, okay. Why do I mean like why do I mean their job is easy? Because when someone goes to Pinterest or logs in or opens the app, they are literally telling the platform what they want to buy. It's incredible and apparently they cannot monetize off of this. Like you know how simple the Amazon search ads are. You put in paper towels and bounty pays for the ad and if you click on the sponsored ad, they give Amazon a small cut. How is Pinterest not doing this? Like well, or they're obviously trying but how can they not? Look, you can Arpu is just $7.60 in Q4 2022 versus Facebook at close to $59. I mean, that gap probably shouldn't be closed fully because Facebook is much more broad and much more user engagement, much more video content that can have, you know, that has higher ARPUs. But that gap should not be that wide, especially when we're talking about a per user basis when some of the Pinterest power users are extremely valuable to the content providers on that platform.
0: It would never pass, but doesn't this seem like it'd be a great acquisition for Facebook?
1: Oh, they do well by it. Yeah, 100%. Maybe Google. Uh, Google they could probably, flip the
0: ARPU overnight.
1: <laughs> yeah, Google. Yeah, of course. I mean, Google could do well with this too, right? Because you know, it, the most similar thing is searching for products on Google as well. I, I, any of the big three, I think, could do well with this. Um, other one is, I think, the new executive team could end up being a nice breath of breath of fresh air. You know. We're a little worried about expenses but the execution has been solid so far they have that activist investor that could could keep them in line you know i think that's a good combo and the lowlights for me though is the capital allocation and sbc mismanagement i think it speaks for excel the balance sheet you know you have no the buyback has been weak you're just sitting on all this cash you know you didn't have any convertible notes that you took out they were giving companies like Pinterest zero percent interest convertible notes at absurd prices and they didn't take it i just the finance department frustrates me and they have 2.7 billion dollars in cash and a market cap of 19.6 billion dollars can we maybe you know put some of that into buybacks especially when you're generating positive cash flow it's just a question right or am i crazy here right
0: no, i think you're right the i'm trying to look if they still own them
1: because i'm Ooh, not 100 sure if Elliot still owns they have a guy on the board though i saw it in the proxy so okay i don't, I don't yeah i don't know
0: it's well
1: wisdom could be wrong yeah but they, okay i think they still have a relationship because they have a guy that just got voted to the board all right, as we wrap things up, let's move into the bull and bear case, Ryan. What do you think needs to happen for the stock to do well going forward? I put some numbers on it just so everyone
0: can kind of get a grasp of what it takes. Um, really, they're going to have to drastically expand our which is going to be super helpful for revenue growth. So, I basically just assumed that if they grow revenue by fifteen percent a year. And you can make that mix what you want. That could be 5% MAU growth, 10% ARPU growth, vice versa. Historically, it's been kind of a blend of both. They'd be generating just under $6 billion in annual revenue by 2027. If you apply a 15% true operating margin, gap operating margin, that's just under a $1 billion in operating income. Their market cap today is just under $20 billion. So it's trading at 20 times theoretical 2027 operating income. That to me is not very attractive. Um, They're going to have to grow revenue well in excess of 15% a year or hit an operating, seriously cut back on operating expenses, primarily SBC.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can run numbers that'll make any stock look expensive. But yes, as you were think trying to say, there is you need to have a high expectation for revenue growth going forward. Or yeah, that they hit 30 or they, or they get to Facebook level margins. Yeah, but it's
0: just like what what's the reality that they're gonna do that? I mean, it's not, not they're they're gonna be going from like negative 10%. Here's here's my assumptions: 15% annual revenue growth. And negative 10% operating margins to positive 15%. That's quite an improvement over five-year period. And the returns still don't look like they'd be that good. Yeah. So I guess, sorry, that's not much of a bull case, but it's just to, I like to try to put some numbers on it so that people know what it would take
1: to at get that a point, good return from there. At that point, they'd have a ton of cash on their balance sheet, So, Maybe if they do some buybacks, they could really juice some stuff there. I mean, they could really reduce share count if they got aggressive with it and started generating a lot of true free cash flow. But we'll see. I mean, I had a similar one like, look, ARPU has grown at a CAGR of 16% globally. If that continues, I think things will be fine. But the price isn't as attractive, I think, if you just think they're going to grow ARPU at 16% and not really grow their overall users. What do you think about Bear Case, Ryan? I think we've, listeners, kind of un, already understand it and it's really, what, more of the same, right? Yeah. I mean, just a lack of profitable growth, profitable growth, and kind of what we talked
0: about earlier, which is let's maintain platform relevance. So let's maybe grow users steadily, grow our proof steadily, reinvest all that into our employee base and people will have to keep valuing us at something because maybe one day we choose to uh show some operating leverage, and yeah. so it just worries me that they're not gonna ever optimize for shareholders,
1: yeah, and maybe the optimal play was to just dump your bags on PayPal and let them do it as apparently that was that was being thought of. Yeah, look, I think mine is what happened over the past five years can continues over the next five years, which is mainly no monetization outside of. North America. I mean, whoa, how does Europe just like not monetize at all? Uh, slow product rollouts, which they seem to be fixing. I maybe have a little bit of confidence that this isn't going to happen, but I think that you know could continue. Why not? It's a lot of the same development teams. And then anemic engagement growth, especially from advertising engagement growth. I think this is a company that seems to be, uh, I like using this analogy, stuck on the treadmill, which is working hard to stay in place versus other platforms like a YouTube or an Instagram that seem to just flow down the river and don't have to do much work to grow. I, I, I think it's a classic example of that. Now, let's wrap things up. More or less interested, Ryan? I'm, I'm less interested, honestly. It, it feels to me,
0: the platform is cool. The platform should lend itself well to monetization, but it doesn't, and it hasn't it's not really improving that much. So I worry that it's hard to turn a culture like this around and that maybe they just don't have the advertising chops.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. The culture is the biggest concern. I say I'm more interested mainly because yes, the platform has so much potential from a business perspective. They fix a few things, you know, better trajectory and margins, product growth, buybacks. I mean, it could be a great buy at the right price, but I think it's only a buy at the, those prices if you are confident that the, those things are occurring. And I'm really not confident they are. So why would I trust this, as I said earlier, boy who cried wolf situation? I think that's going to be it for this episode. Again, remember, if you got to the end here, there should be a survey that we're throwing out to people. Hopefully get enough people to, to respond to that next week in our fallen angels uh, episodes. We're covering lift again is going to be in a tough situation last week we covered sofi at the end of the month we're going to be covering WeWork and coupon as well thank you everyone for listening remember we are not financial advisors anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation we're general partners at arch capital and clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast again thank you everyone we'll see you next time